0: Today is from Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 9 after six days Jesus took Peter James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves he was transfigured in front of them and his face shone like the Sun his clothes became as white as the light suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with them then Peter said to Jesus Lord, it's good for us to be here. I will set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus came up, touched them and said get up don't be afraid. When they looked up they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain Jesus commanded them don't tell anyone about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Our second scripture today is found in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven, while we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit.
1: Dan and I'm uh, part of the pastoral team here at Cornerstone, and uh, it's uh, lovely to um, see you all this morning and those who are going to be joining us online later once the service is uploaded um, and uh, you know there's lots of people that kind of um, make this happen on a Sunday morning, and of course, we can't mention all of the names every week, but I just love this morning that we have we have Emma on the piano and we have Jane on the guitar. And we have Cody on the sound so that's like all brothers and sisters that happen to be um, you know scheduled on the same uh, morning so I just love that seeing seeing families serving uh, here at Cornerstone whether it's on a Sunday morning or in our midweek Cornerstone kids or in the nursery or in the children's church or at youth um, you know or However you are serving, uh, or as a group, group leader, or as a host, you know, it's, it, it It needs us all to make this dream uh, happen, right? So uh, I really appreciate every single one of you. The uh, theme of all of the Sundays in this season after Epiphany uh, is... Is the glory of God manifest in the sun? Okay, the glory of God manifest in the sun. And over this series, as we've gone through Epiphany, I wonder how have you seen the glory of God manifest in Jesus over these past few weeks? Um, Now, of course, you may, I'm I'm hoping that you've seen the glory of God manifest in Jesus in your own lives. But I'm thinking specifically about our Sunday morning. So how have you seen this glory of God? Maybe it was um, with uh, our first message where we learned how the voice of God is the voice of truth and how he sits uh, enthroned above the chaos or the water of your life, and we sat quiet. If you remember, for 75 seconds, both at the front and the end of the service, just listening to the voice of God. Or maybe it was uh, week two, uh, learning to see and say in a whole new way. And we saw how Jesus lifts us from a muddy pit and He sets our feet on a rock. He gives us a new song to sing so that others can hear and then be lifted from their muddy pits. I wonder if Jesus has shown you what. this new song is that you are to sing was it week three where we learned how we're called by jesus and we're called to jesus that jesus has our address that he knows where you live he knows the circumstances of your life and he has a package for you in the package is a call to repentance and he also has an invitation for you to fish for people or to administrate for people or to custodian for people or to lawyer for people or to work for the city for people you know uh, that 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 were all called away from just being um, having our identity in uh, either um, our sexuality or our gender and also uh, in our work so we're called away from that and to be seen as people uh who are called to fish for people regardless of what we do so um or maybe it was week four where we learned this important truth that when you realize that you are not enough that god is and uh, and, and as we're moving beyond new year's resolutions we realize that jesus has called us to the blessed life the happy life and this life starts with being poor in spirit and it ends with being persecuted potentially for righteousness sake and he promises that whether you're whether you're starting the journey being poor in spirit or you're experiencing persecution you're anywhere in between um In that list of the Beatitudes, Jesus says that his kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Maybe it was week five where we met our teacher, Mr. Jesus Christ, uh, our substitute teacher, and he taught us through the chemistry of salt that sodium chloride does not break down, that we are to bring out the kingdom flavors in the world around us and then he taught us as well through the physics of light that we are to make manifest the wonders of the invisible kingdom of God by shining our light by being a city on a hill that cannot be hidden and that and we do that by letting others see our good works and so i wonder have you have you seen the glory of God in Christ maybe through some good works that you have intentionally done over these past few weeks. What about last week, week six, where, where God calls us to choose? He says, choose life rather than death in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And how do we choose life? Well, Psalm 119 explains how we choose life. And it starts with saying how happy by observing those who are following Christ, who seem to be happy, who seem to have meaning, who seem to have purpose, and you're longing after that. And then it moves to this next phrase, if only. If only I was following Jesus like then. And then the final step is saying, I will. I will make a choice to follow Jesus. How happy, if only, and I will. So again, let me ask you again, how have you seen the glory of God manifest in Jesus over these past few weeks? Because this is what epiphany is all about. The glory of God manifest or revealed in Jesus Christ. And we've had some very precious worship time together we've heard stories of people from the pews and also on um movie on video testifying to god's goodness we've also heard about this blessing that's being poured out even now in asbury university um yeah down in kentucky so these are some ways that we have seen the glory of god being manifest in the person of jesus christ however we also have the ongoing ukraine war We also have the Chinese spy balloons flying over Canada and the U.S. We've had uh, an earthquake which has claimed over 40,000 people in Syria and Turkey. We've had fighting in the Middle East. We've had multiple shootings in the U.S. We've had the Haitian crisis. We've had the Laval attack over in Quebec. We've had tech companies downsizing. We've had the cost of living increasing. In fact, the bulletin of the atomic scientists, told us on January the 23rd that according to the doomsday clock, it is now 90 seconds to midnight. Yesterday, I went to um, the bunker, and in the middle of the Cold War, at its height, we found out that the doomsday clock was like 12 minutes to midnight, 11 minutes to midnight, and we look back at that time and go, "I I thank the Lord that we're not in the middle of the Cold War anymore. However, according to the Doomsday Clock, now we're not 11 minutes or 12 minutes to midnight. We're now 90 seconds to midnight, which means that you know, um, yeah, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists says that you know that we're that much closer to to um, a power having the power and the capability to. Wipe out life as we know it here on earth. That's what the doomsday doomsday clock means. We've also had struggles in our church family. And my heart breaks for many of you who've, who've experienced such hardship and tragedies and struggles and changes and crises over these past few weeks. And so if I've learned anything during this period of epiphany, it's that the glory of God is manifest in Jesus in the middle of the battle it's not we who we don't opt out of life and seek a time of blessing it's in the battle it's in the struggle as we heard in that last song that we sang when i fight i fight on my knees it's in the struggle that God's glory is made manifest in Jesus Christ you know the kingdom of heaven comes in the middle of blood and guts and tears and Maybe depression and sadness and the struggle of life. And the message of the gospel has been carried on the backs of them and in the mouths of the faithful and weak, frail human beings ever since the time of Jesus Christ. This is how it's gone forward, not in success, but in struggle. And this morning, we're going to discover that it's when we follow Jesus into the riot and the boredom of everyday life. That we see his glory. And with the eyes of faith my prayer is that is, is that this morning we will look up and we will see no one except Jesus alone. That's what I want. Our lectionary scripture, 2 Peter 1:16 says this, for we did not follow cleverly contrived myth- myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And Peter is saying that the message of the coming kingdom is not a fairy tale. It's not something that we make up. Instead, it's based on events that were witnessed by eyewitnesses. That, that, that when Peter wrote this, that the things he was writing about could still be testified to by people who are still alive. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from, that, from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, the incident to which Peter is referring is back in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, which says this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured in front of them and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. Matthew 17, verse 1 and 2. It says after six days. Well, six days after what? Well, six days after Jesus said this, To the disciples. Then Jesus said to the disciples. If anyone wants to follow after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And that kind of casts our mind back to the last of the Beatitudes. right? Blessed are you when you are persecuted. When people say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And then six days later, after Jesus says this, is this moment known as the Transfiguration, where these three disciples are given a glimpse, not into Jesus' unusual state, but into Jesus' natural state. Because up until here, his glory has been cloaked or masked when he became human. Now, folks say that you only really get to know someone when you see them at home. When they kick back and relax and just let it all hang out, as it were. And in a sense, this is what the disciples were treated to on the mount. Jesus in his natural habitat. And it was glorious. And then following this mountaintop experience. After this mountaintop experiences, uh, experience, the disciples go down to the crowd who must have been waiting below. Uh, and there's this scene where the disciples, I guess it's the ones who remained below, they could not cast the demon out of a boy. And Jesus is visibly frustrated with the lack of faith and he casts the demon out himself. So you have Jesus telling The disciples that some of them will literally lose their lives because of him and most of them do and then you have the disciples failing in their mission to bring God's kingdom to earth because they could not cast out a demon and then in the middle of this crazy messy life he leads three of them up this mountain and he shows them his glory so let me repeat myself again it's when we follow Jesus into the riot and boredom of everyday life that we see his glory Maybe for you yesterday was a tough day. And maybe tomorrow is going to be a failure. I don't know. Maybe you don't even know. Only God knows. But today Jesus invites you to come and see his glory. The word became flesh and dwelt among us we observed his glory again eyewitness we we observed his glory the glory is the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth lord we need to see you full of grace and truth this morning because otherwise this is all a waste of time lord may we observe you may we encounter you may we see you with the eyes of faith in between sacrifice and failure May we experience you. Simon Peter said this, For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, Peter's saying we saw. We saw something. We experienced something with our eyes. On that mountain, we saw Jesus transfigured. Verse 17, for he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. In other words, Peter saying we heard. On that mountain we heard the Father. With our five, with our five senses we experienced Jesus, we experienced the Father. And the truth that we read in the Gospels as testified to in Peter's second letter, is rooted in eyewitness testimony. Now, as a bit of a sidebar, I don't know about you, but when I read this phrase, the majestic glory, uh, it gets me kind of excited. It gets my heart racing. The majestic glory, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. The majestic glory, what does this mean? Is it a place? Is it a location? Is it a title of God himself? What does it mean to hear a voice from the majestic glory? Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I read this phrase anywhere else in the Bible. The majestic glory, not just majestic, but majestic glory. And not just glory, but majestic glory. And it even has the word the in it, the definitive article which means that this majestic glory is real somehow. It's not a subjective experience, but it's someone or something to be known and experienced. It has heft to it. There is substance to this phrase, the majestic glory. And on this mountain from this majestic glory, three of the disciples hear the words that echo back to those words that Jesus heard at the start of his ministry back in the Jordan River This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased this is the glory of God as revealed in Christ this is the epiphany this is an epiphany this is the true meaning of the word epiphany a manifestation of the glory of God an outpouring of the spirit in in Asbury University this is a manifestation of the glory of God and Jesus being transfigured, it's a manifestation of the glory of God. It is an epiphany. Now, you and I, none of us were there on the mountain with Peter and Jesus and James and John, right? None of us were there. We cannot recreate that mountaintop experience. We will not see the transfigured Jesus Christ because he's now glorified. We, we are able to emphasize the glorified Jesus Christ through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the takeaway from today's message is not to seek or long for a recreation of what Peter and James and John experienced in Matthew 17. That's not what we're after. And Peter seems to make exactly this point as he reflects in his letter back on what happened in Matthew chapter 17. 2 Peter 1 says this, We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. One way of understanding what Peter is saying here is that in the past Jesus shone bright on the mountaintop and in the future he will return again in glory and it will be like a day dawning. So there are these two bright points that we can refer to when Jesus was here on earth, most clearly seen in the transfiguration and when Jesus returns. But for right now, 2 Peter 1 verse 9 says that we are in a dark place. And now I've already experienced or uh, explained uh, many reasons why it's okay to explain Uh, To describe this world as a dark place. There's wars, there's famines, there's loss, there's tragedy, and it's all set against uh, Satan's kingdom and his nefarious work. And so, but what Peter tells us is that in this time in between times that we don't just have these two bright reference points of Christ's life and Christ's return to live by. We also have the word. Peter calls it the prophetic word the word of God the Bible the thing that you have in your hands or on your shelf or in your phone or in the pew in front of you this is the prophetic word of God it is a lamp shining in a dark place we look back to Christ and we see his glory on the mountain and we look forward and we see his glorious return but in this present darkness in this dark place where you inhabit this morning we look down at this lamp that we are carrying and it shines bright it shines light the book of proverbs says this for a command is a light is a lamp teaching is a light and correct and corrective discipline is the way to life psalm 119 105 says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path and so if you want to beat back the darkness in your life you don't just hold out for those mountaintop experiences that may or may not come you read the word every day You open the Bible and it illuminates your life and your situation in a way that nothing else can. Why? Because these pages reveal the glory of God. When I'm having a shower early in the morning and everyone else is asleep and all of the lights are off, you know, because I don't want to wake anyone after the shower, I can get spooked in that hallway as I'm... Running upstairs to where there is some light. And most of the time I try not to run, but it's this kind of, I know I'm 42 years old, but I still run from the basement when there's no one watching. But if I have my Kindle screen and I turn it on to bright, or if I have my cell phone flashlight on, then I'm a lot more calm in that moment. I don't feel the urge to run. And I think that there's this primal fear of darkness in mankind, right? We're afraid of the dark, and light gives us comfort. And light gives us confidence. And so, if your Bible is closed, if it's not shedding light, then you can get used to stumbling in the darkness, and you can get used to running away from things that spook you. Because your divine flashlight is off. But if your Bible is open and you're encountering God in the prophetic words, then there is light. And Peter says, we also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Pay attention to it. This idea of paying attention of giving it your concentration is echoed in this moment of transfiguration in Matthew 17 while he was still speaking suddenly a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased listen to him Don't just pay attention to the loudest voices in the culture or the most convincing influencer on TikTok or your favorite news anchor who who confirms your biases. Pay attention to the word. Listen to Jesus. Why? Because he's God's son. Meditate on the Bible. Take time to read it think about it, try to understand it, ask God to illuminate it to you. Maybe you read it and you go, it makes no sense. That's because it's a spiritual book and it needs to be spiritually discerned. But you can ask God and he will make it come a light and a life to you. You know, another thing that you can do is to wrestle with the discussion questions that we have every sermon here at Cornerstone. They're available on YouTube, on the podcast, and they're also on piece of paper at the back. You know, these are things that you can talk about as families and just try to figure out what is God trying to say through this mysterious word that he has given to us. Listen to Jesus. Pay attention to the word of God. And it will take you through this dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So friends, are you listening to him? Are you paying attention to the word or are you allowing the darkness in this dark place to overwhelm you? Because it does not have to be this way. John 1 verse 4 says this, And Jesus was life, and that, light, that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. It did not overcome it then. It has never overcome it since. If you have Jesus and if you have the Bible, then the darkness cannot overcome that light in your life, no matter how hard it tries. You know, shadows do not force light into hiding. That's not how physics works. Light scatters shadows. Where, where, where there's darkness and and light in the same room, light always wins every single time. And what's true in the natural world is true in the spiritual world. So Jesus has taken Peter, James and John up the mountain. He's transfigured himself in front of them. Moses and Elijah have appeared and Peter kind of wants to set up shop there. He wants to set up camp. He wants to settle down. Maybe he wants to have this as a site of holy pilgrimage where people can come and experience Jesus and Moses and Elijah. He has it all planned out until this bright cloud appears and they hear the voice from the cloud, this is my my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus came up to them, touched them and said, get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. The brightness and the glory of God and the voice of God, this voice from the majestic glory, remember, this wipes The disciples out they cannot stand in the presence of holy god they fall prostrate they fall face down they drop like a sack of potatoes on the ground and then in the middle of that glory of that blinding unapproachable light hearing that voice which is booming listen to my son in the middle of all that the son speaks and what does the son say he says get up don't be afraid The Father's voice causes the men to collapse, but the Son's voice encourages the men to get up. Friends, Jesus is the unapproachable glory of God made approachable. Jesus is the untouchable glory of God made actually touchable. And in this moment when the disciples must have felt like their lives were over, Jesus comes up, as the passage said, He came up. He touched them and he said, this this to me sounds like an eyewitness account, right? Just such, such specific details. He comes up to them, he touches them, and he speaks and he says, get up, don't be afraid. And in this moment, we learn something incredible about Jesus. That he is the one from the majestic glory. And he's the one who brings comfort to those who are afraid when they're faced with the majestic glory try to wrap your mind around that Jesus is from the majestic glory and he comforts those who are afraid when faced with the majestic glory and much as I love this phrase the majestic glory much as it excites my imagination and it really gets me wondering what does God look like What caused the disciples to lose all control over their limbs so that they had no control or no choice except to fall on the floor? What does God sound like? What did they see? What will we see when we encounter the majestic glory at the end of time? So much as I love that phrase, the majestic glory, I think perhaps I appreciate this next phrase even more. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. And friends, when we look up and we see Jesus alone, we're not missing anything. He's not a cover band of the true God. He's not an impersonator of the true God. He's not the opening act for the real thing. Here's Jesus and then Jesus gets out the way and now you can see God. The disciples were not, weren't shortchanged because they no longer saw the transfigured Jesus because they no longer saw the bright clouds surrounding them, because they no longer heard the voice from the majestic glory, they weren't shortchanged. They weren't disappointed because they had Jesus. And when we look up and see no one except Jesus alone, we have everything that we need. As Colossians 2 says, "For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You could take that, and you could meditate on that, and it would ruin your life, because it's such a powerful and a full verse it, and it leads you to stop living this, this pale excuse for life, because you have Christ, who's the fullness of God's nature. And you have been filled by Him. That means that you've been filled by the entire full nature of God Himself, if you have Christ. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So, friends, mountaintop experiences are wonderful, but always remember that before and after the mountain are hardships and trials and tough realities and failures that we cannot avoid. The mountaintop is never sufficient to keep you going through life. Yes, these moments, these spiritual moments are precious. They are to be treasured. After all, Peter was still talking about the transfiguration much later in that letter that he wrote in 2 Peter. So we should seek revival. We should seek the manifest presence of God. We should seek these moments where it feels like heaven is touching earth and we're transformed Uh, in the light of the glory of God we should seek these moments and yes we also do look forward to that future glory that will be revealed when Jesus returns in glory but in our day-to-day lives which is 99% of what you and I experience from week to week that's more humdrum than exciting where faith is exercised in the mundane of the everyday as we navigate this this timeline of our lives let's keep looking up and as we look up may we see no one except jesus alone as we walk back down that mountain may we hold the hand of no one except jesus alone as we step into our everyday life may we experience and know and see jesus alone because it's through jesus alone that his transfiguration becomes our transfiguration we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of God and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory this is from the Lord who is the spirit Jesus's transfiguration becomes our own transfiguration and so we look up And we see no one except Jesus alone. And we look down at the Bible, at the prophetic word, at this lamp shining in a dark place. And may our gaze be up. May we see only Jesus. And may our gaze be down. And may we read his word. And this is enough. This is enough until we get to the majestic glory at the end of our life. We've now come to the end of our epiphany season. We've learned that even though it's a new year, God's promises are still the same. Next week we start Lent. We're going to call it Boot Camp for the Soul. And Lent is a time of reflection, of drawing near to God through the uncertainty of life. And I can think of no better posture of going into Lent than with that both looking down at the prophetic word and looking up at Jesus alone Let's close in prayer. O God, you revealed your Son in glory on the mountain. Would you grant that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and to be changed into his likeness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.